21 to the first couple of verses in chapter number 22, we deal with the heavenly surroundings, including the heavenly Jerusalem, the holy city. In chapter number 22, starting about verse 3 or 4, we deal with that eternal state that's even greater than the heavenly holy city. Uh, as good as that holy city sounds, heaven is even far better. And so we're looking forward to that. So we're going to be looking at this. These events are not to be confused with the millennium. That took place on the earth, and we are not on the earth in these chapters. We're going to be dealing with a heavenly scene in the holy city, Lord willing, this morning. First, the heavenly scene. In verses 1 and 2, we see, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Just like one day we will pass from this life to the next, we will be made new with a new body that will not hurt, that will not die, that will not corrupt, that will not corrode, that will never, never, never have to see a doctor, will never have to have glasses or find hearing aids again. We will be in good shape. Amen. We won't need anything. Uh, right now, I'm in good shape for the shape I'm in. Up there, I'll be in good shape for the shape he's in. Whole different ball game up there. Amen. Well, we see this new heaven and this new earth, for the first was passed away. There was no more sea. If you remember, the sea gave up its dead, and there's no need for the sea. So there's a lot more land on this earth. You know that right now, if you know your history and your geography, you know that two-thirds of this earth is water. And so uh, for a whole big, huge planet, two-thirds of it, we're not able to live on. Now, <clears throat> she was singing about going higher. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to knock anything that, that man wants to accomplish, but I was watching the local news and the excitement over this contract to be able to have this spaceship, and as long as they can, by a certain date, have a colony on Mars. I'm not interested in Mars. I, I, I'm going to pass all those planets up and go a little higher. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to go up there someplace where the Bible says, in my father's house, place of residence, where God, wherever it is out there God is, he's prepared mansions for me. He's built them, and they're waiting for me, and I'm just going to go a little bit higher. You can have Mars if you'd like it. I've seen pictures of it, and it doesn't look real hospitable to me. I don't think that'd be the blessed eternal state that I was looking forward to. Um, Weightlessness might appeal to people down here that are trying to lose weight, but up there, weight won't matter, so I don't care if I'm weightless or not. Amen. Now, watch this. We see, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. Watch the fact that everything's new. When God gets done, when the, when the sin nature's gone, everything becomes new. And it says, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared, made ready as or like a bride adorned, arranged for her husband. So we see that this new Jerusalem is going to come out of heaven, and it kind of gives the appearance that it just hovers between heaven and earth. And people would say, well, that's, that's crazy. That doesn't, you can't do that. What do you think your earth is doing? 
He hung it on nothing. Isn't that what the Bible says? He hung it on nothing. It's sitting out there, and there's nobody holding it up. Okay? Well, I take that back. God's holding it up. You just don't see his hand. When we look in our telescopes, there's no hand out there holding it. It's just sitting there right where it should be, and the sun's right where it should be, and if the sun got bumped backward or forward just the slightest bit of a degree, we'd either burn up or freeze. So God has the sun in the perfect place. He has the earth in the perfect place. He has the moon in the perfect place because the moon has a great effect on the tides of the oceans and things. So I'm going to put my faith and trust in the creator God who seemed to have it all perfect and put together just exactly right. And it says in verse number 3, And I heard a great voice. In verses 3 through 7, we hear speaking. It says, I heard a voice out of heaven saying, Behold the tabernacle, the tent, or the place of habitation. See this body right here? This is my tabernacle. Roger Walton lives in this tabernacle, this tent. This is not me. Praise the Lord. You say, man, he's kind of ugly for a preacher, don't you think? It don't matter. This is just where I live. Luke just lost lunch. He just shook his head yes. Lunch just flew out the window. I watched it flying by saying, sorry, Charlie. But anyhow, the good news is this is not who I am. This is not, this is not what makes up me. This is where me lives. Does that make sense? My soul and spirit is who I am. The way I think and the way I act and react is all based on my soul and spirit. And I do what I do because I have a physical body that allows me to do it because I live in this tent. But I'm going to change addresses to a different place one day, and it will be better than this one. When God resurrects this old body and makes it incorruptible and immortal, this body will be totally different. And I don't believe it will look like this either. I believe based on Romans chapter number 8, God is conforming us to the image of his son. And I believe when we get to heaven, we'll be back in the image of God. And who we are going to look like will be Jesus. I believe that with all my heart. Now, we see that the tabernacle of God is with men. Stop. This is the last book of, Revel, of the, the Bible, the book of Revelation. Let's go back in our mind. Let's think. Genesis chapter 2, God made man in his image and in his likeness. And man, Adam, got to walk with God or tabernacle alongside of God from the very beginning. God's desire was to fellowship with his creation, especially the one he gave a soul to, man. When man messed up and sinned, there was something that was made called the tabernacle. It was a place where God would show up so that the children of Israel could know the presence of God. The tabernacle of God was then changed to the temple. But when we get to the New Testament, though we go to a church to worship, the temple of God is within us. I, 
and the temple of God. That's why you ought to be clean in your body. And I just, I just don't mean take a shower either. I'm talking about being clean in your thoughts and clean in your attitudes and clean in your actions because this is the body. What Know you not that your body is the Holy Ghost of God, the temple of God, the Holy Ghost of God dwells within you. You're not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. Let me put that to you a better way. Where you live, glorify God. I live here. So I'm in front of you. I, I'm glorifying God by preaching the word. But I'm going to go back over yonder like you are, and we're going to have an afternoon. Are your Sunday afternoons glorifying God? I remember my dear pastor friend, one of the best pastors that I was ever under. I, I've had a couple that I really loved, Wally Metz. Wally Metz was a great uh, preacher, but he loved people, and he and his wife were country uh, folks that just loved the Lord. And uh, Brother Metz was a great writer. He wrote some wonderful books, but he also was a great uh, illustrator. He could draw, and he could do cartoons, and he could do chalk talks, you know, where you would put the invisible chalk, and it, he would, like, have an angel sitting on the stone, and he would then, in front of the kids, he would take that chalk and make the tomb with the ro stone rolled away, and then at the end, as he was doing it, he would tell the story of the resurrection, and then that black light would come on, and reveal from that fluorescent chalk the angel's glory saying, he is not here. He is risen, as he said. And he could cartoon. He was a great cartoonist. So in his books, he wrote, uh, he did his own uh, illustrations, and he wrote a book called Home Sweet Hassle. How's that for a title? And it was a book on raising kids in a preacher's home. He said, you know that you are not any different than any other home when you go to church and preach a great sermon, come back to your house, and everybody fights over who gets the funny papers. He one time made this, and it's in his book. He made this statement in his book. He made it many times from the pulpit. If a pastor could figure out what it is that takes a teenage girl two hours to get ready to go anywhere in the bathroom, he could solve any church problem this side of heaven. He had two girls and one son. You know, it's interesting to me that we have got so much stuff that we don't recognize that we do that doesn't glorify God. Things that just don't bring honor and glory to him. We go home and we turn the church button off and turn another button on and wait till we have to have God for some reason. Then we'll turn the church button on or the God button on. But the truth is, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every second of every minute of every hour of every day, I need thee. Amen. Well, he said here, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. When we get to that eternal state, guess what? We're going to be tabernacling with God right there like Adam did, right in his very presence. Isn't that going to be good? We're going to be right there with him. And it says, listen to this, and he will dwell, be at home with them. Whoa. You know, people come to my house, but I'm not, I'm not at home with them. I've had people come to my, you ever had a sales, high pressure salesman come to your house? 
I've never felt quite at home with them, and I've certainly made sure that they didn't feel at home either. I didn't want them to come back. I remember a vacuum cleaner salesman coming one time and wanted to give this demonstration. And so he took our vacuum and he ran it over with this white pad that he put down and he showed the dirt that it got. Then he took his vacuum cleaner and the white pad and ran over it, you know, and it showed all this dirt. He says, now you don't want to live in a dirty house like that. And I looked at him, I said, are you insinuating that I live in a dirty house? I said, let me run my vacuum cleaner back over it again and let's see if your vacuum cleaner missed anything. He didn't like that at all. I can't figure out why. The truth is, when you have carpet, you'll never get it all out, even if you steam clean it. There are just some things that stay down in there. That's why when Pastor Fred asked me if we would live in the parcels that they were going to build, which I really didn't want to do because when you get older, you have no place to go. But I said I would if they didn't put carpet in it. I was having so much allergy problems with so much stuff in there, and I just didn't want carpet. It's, it, it may be a lot more pain to have to mop and sweep a floor that doesn't have carpet, but I'm telling you, at least you don't sweep it into the rug. But that's what he wanted to do. He, I didn't feel at home. But there are people that come into my house, and I feel right at home with them. I mean, it's just like... They've been there, and I've known them all my life, and we just the best of friends. I just feel at home. You know, one of the things that's going to be great about heaven, we're going, to be, we're going to feel at home with God. But did you hear what I just read? God's going to be at home with us. Isn't that what I just read? And, I mean, how did he do that? His great love, wherewith he loved us. I love. Let me read it again. It's just too good not to. Behold, the tabernacle of God, verse 3, is with men, and he will dwell, be at home with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Have you ever heard this? Though? There's no tears in heaven. That's not true. Where are we at when we're getting our tears wiped away? We're in heaven. That initial judgment seat of Christ and things, I believe there's going to be tears in heaven. When we see the great white throne judgment and we see those that we could have witnessed to but didn't, I think there's going to be some tears. And But God's going to wipe them all away so we'll never cry again. Verse 4 in the middle, And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. See, we're not going to cry anymore. Neither shall there be any more pain, for those former things are passed away. I got to thinking, but I've got a, I'm getting a funeral message out of this, and it just came to me. When someone passes away that's a loved one, it's a good thing, because a lot of things passed away with them. Pain, suffering, trials, tribulations, bills. Phone calls, the minute you sit down to eat. Does your phone do that? Nobody has more imperfect timing than my son, Jared. He knows when I'm in a public place and have stepped into a stall. Yeah, and a cell phone rings invariably. He knows when we sat down for dinner. He knows when I've just turned the record button on to record and the 
phone rings and I'm the only one there to answer it. It just amazes me the perfect timing sometimes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but nothing more irritating than when the phone rings and it's somebody trying to tell you why you should buy their product or trying to tell you that, they, that you owe the IRS $10 million and they're going to put you in jail if you don't pay and go get a card. I actually went and bought a gift card the other day from CVS Pharmacy. I got an iTunes card. I will not give my credit card online. Don't like it, don't want to. So I get a gift card. And when I want to get new music that's Christian, I get it off of iTunes and I use the gift card. Well, I've got a couple of them. The lady said, why are you buying this? I thought that was kind of strange. So I told her, she said, well, I'm sorry to ask her, but there are a lot of scams going around asking people to actually buy iTunes cards. Well, I couldn't figure that one out because all they could get is music off of it. Usually they tell you to go get a green dot card because they're not traceable. And they'll tell you to put two or three or $400 on it. And then uh, you'll find out you've never heard, you'll never hear from them again because they got your money. Scams. But sometimes that things happen. All those things are passed away. Now, verse 5, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. It's all going to be new. Uh, are, are, you, are you sentimental ever? Do you ever get sentimental? Does anything ever make you go, oh, that's pretty? When I was living in the mountains of western North Carolina, our first home sat high up on a huge hill. And the road was down below, and there was a deck on the front. And when spring break always fell at the Christian school that I taught at up there, it always fell the week going into Easter. And that just seems to be the week, whenever it is, though it changes, that seems to be the week that the buds start to burst out in the North Carolina mountains. And so because it was spring break, I was out of school. So every morning I would get up early because I'm the only one in my household that knows that Five and six and seven come twice a day. And I would take my cup of coffee and go outside and begin to watch the newness of life open up. And by the end of the week, there, where there was some buds opening up, there would be these beautiful, we had white dogwoods in our yard. These beautiful white flowers on the dogwood trees and the beautiful reds on the plants over here. And I would watch it every morning burst open as the newness of life took over for another season. But when we get to heaven, all things will be made new for eternity, not a season. Eternity. And then I want you to notice this. And he said unto me, write, for these words are true and faithful. Haven't we heard that before? Remember last week, the rider on the horse, the white horse, coming with the armies, his name was faithful and true. He said, John, write this down. What I just told you is true. You can count on it. It's, you can depend on it. It's as trustworthy as anything you've ever heard from me. You can count on me. And so we see that there is this incredible newness. Then he said, verse 6, it is done. Bam. It's over. Everything's been completed. The tribulation's over. The millennium is done. The eternal state for you and I, the holy city's hovering. I'm getting glory bumps right now, fixing to have a Baptist fit. And my body says you can't do it, but my mind says go for it anyhow. 
I mean, there's going to come a day, and he said, it's done. It's all over. It's finished. It's all complete. My family's home. Oh, there's nothing like when, you remember when you, are you like me? When I first moved here, you remember we, I used to, Melody and I lived in that little room back there. And, and Melody got a job in town, and I was teaching at the Christian school, but I got home before she did. And so I would be in that little room, and it would get to be 5 o'clock. That meant she's going to get off, and she should be home by 5.30. And so five, about 5.25, I go into the Sunday school room and look out the window. I'm waiting for her to be home. And if she's late, then I'm calling on the cell phone. Where are you? Why aren't you here? Because I want to make sure nothing happened. I'm telling you, it's done. It's all complete. My family's home. I don't have to go find him anymore. He doesn't have to send you and I searching for those lost sheep anymore. All the lost sheep have been found. All of God's children are home at last, enjoying the glory of the God. And God said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. I'm the first of all words and all letters. I'm the last of all words and all letters, and I'm everything in between that you need. That's who he is. He said, I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. One more time, before this event happens, he's saying, I will See, John is in the Isle of Patmos writing all this down about a future event. But in John's day, there was still about 2,000 years to get to you and I. And we're still proclaiming the water of life. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. I'm coming back to that verse in just a little bit. Verse number 8. But the fearful and unbelieving... And the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and liars, or says all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Now we're going to enter the splendor. I'm going to give you a bunch of S words if you're taking notes. And the first thing as we see the heavenly scene transcend into the heavenly city or the holy city, Jerusalem, we see its splendor. We see the splendor because of the one on the throne. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ. That is our God who we see here in verse number Ten, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, that holy Jerusalem, coming or descending out of heaven from God. That is the splendor of the holy city. That is the splendor of the heavenly scene. That is the splendor of the heavenly throne. That is the splendor of the heavenly throng. It's God himself. Then we see in the splendor, we see also in verse number 9, it says, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. You know what's splendorous about it? We are there, married to him. 
in spotless white. I love that old gospel song that says, in my robe of white, I will fly away. I'm going to be dressed in white because of his righteousness. We see not only the splendor because of him. We not only see the splendor because of the bride. We not only see the splendor because of the city descending. But verse 11, it says this city's having and the people having the glory of God. Having the glory of God. Nothing will be like this city with God's glow on it. No church is going to stand that doesn't have the glory of God in it. If it doesn't have God's glory in it and on it, it's not a church. God's blessing. And we think that God blesses by numbers. We think that if the church is huge and big and got big buildings and three million programs and lots of people running it, and I'm telling you right now, the church has busied herself to death. She's so busy, she wouldn't know how to reach somebody outside of the walls of her church if she had to. She's so busy that she doesn't have time to even deal with anybody hurting. I remember very clearly a situation in which someone died and the church that one person was in, she couldn't even get through to the leadership that there was a death in the family. They could not even get anybody to come to her house. In fact, when Melody and I went to the home, the very next day, because we had found out, we brought a big meal in, being from the fact that they were from a humongous mega church, we figured that probably we wouldn't be needed, but we found out we were the only ones that showed up. Eventually, the funeral was changed to a different church because that particular church, when they went, had always cared about them. Sometimes you can get so big for your britches, you forget why you put your britches on. Amen. God doesn't judge by how big you are, and he doesn't judge by how small you are. He judges by how faithful you are. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. He just wants to see people faithful. If you never, listen, if we went by the way people think today, Adoniram Judson is a failure, yet we hail him as a hero and written books all over him. We've got books all over the place about the biography of Adoniram Judson. He did not have one soul won to Jesus Christ in Burma in the first six and a half years he was there. And in that process of time, he buried a wife and several children. We would have called him a failure. We would have called the Apostle Paul a failure. He went to jail multiple times. What a rabble rouser. Shame on him. No Christian should go to jail. Well, that's true if you're going for the wrong reason. But standing for your faith? Remember, he was before Festus. And Festus, to have some fun, started toying with him in front of the Jews. And he said to Paul, you want to answer anything? He said, yeah, I stand here uncondemned as a Roman. I appeal to Caesar. And Festus, well, you appeal to Caesar? To Caesar you shall go. I could, when I read that in the book of Acts, I read it as a smug, snotty remark. 
Somebody that's got the power that thinks he's big stuff that just gave a small, just a snotty remark. You want to go to Caesar? Okay, to Caesar you'll go. And he sent him. Now watch. We see the splendor, having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone, most precious, even the jasper stone, clear as crystal. When we look at its splendor, we see that jasper is used here. Jasper is a good stone because it really excels in its splendor. And it's a good stone to be picked here. No city will be like this city. Next, I want you to see its structure. Its structure. In verses 12 to 14, its structure. The first thing under its structure that I want you to see is its stability. The foundations, verse 19. The foundations of the wall of the city are garnished with all manner of precious stones. All types of precious stones. In fact, the Bible talks about in verse number uh, 19, that the first foundation was jasper, the second, sapphire, the third, a chalcedony, the fourth, an emerald, the fifth, a sardonyx, the sixth, a sardius, the seventh, a chrysolite, the eighth, a beryl, the ninth, a topaz, the tenth, a chrysanthemum, the eleventh, a jacinth, then the twelfth, an amethyst. Uh, wait just a minute here. I'm looking at the composition of these walls, and it looks to me like it reads like rare beauty. If we were to say something on Facebook down here about I have a beautiful home made of these precious stones, I guarantee you the thieves would be plotting about how to get to your house and dismantle it. But they can't get to my mansion. First of all, they're entombed in a place called hell. Second of all, they don't know where we are. We've been in space and can't find God. I do remember a Russian cosmonaut saying many, 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 many years ago before my time, but it's a record of history. Well, we're out here in space and we're looking around. We don't see any God. And then somebody with a quick wit said, step out of your space suit. You'll find him. Hmm. We see the foundation, and not only do we see the foundation there, but look at verse 12. And it had a wall great and high, and 12 gates, and at the gates 12 angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. That's why I believe the 24 elders comprise the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles. But we see this city. Now, wait a minute. This is quite a city. Are you getting the gist of it? It's made with these rare beautiful stones that are pure. They're not like we I mean, the gold is so pure you can see through it. It's transparent gold. But this city now, we're finding out, has these walls made of this beautiful stuff, but it has 12 foundations. In other words, it has 12 floors. 12 different floors. People saying, how's heaven going to hold everybody? Look, we're getting the dimensions of the holy city, and it looks pretty big to me. Let alone, we haven't got to heaven yet, and we got to have This holy city sounds like it's pretty big. But wait a minute, I'm not done yet. We're gonna get, we're, I'm jumping ahead of myself. 
we see its security. It has a wall. In Bible times, cities put a wall about them for security. Now, this is walls not because God needs help. It's to give us the understanding we're secure in heaven. Nobody is going to get rid of us out of heaven. Nobody's going to juggle God's hand and we're going to fall out of heaven. Once we're there, we're there. And there's nobody going to mess with us and cause us to lose our standing in eternity. We will always be saved. We will always be his. We will always be his family. He will always be our father. And we will always be eternal beings with a beautiful brand new body that will continue to function just like God intended it to before Adam and Eve messed up. That's pretty good. All right. Now, we see not only its security and its stability and and the structure, but we see its size. Underneath the structure, we see its size. It was great and high. Now, look with me at verse number 15. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof, and the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth, And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man that is of the angel. Now, if you take that out, it just falls short of 1,500 miles. It's just short of that. It's 1,400-something miles. 1,500 miles square is what everybody likes to say to round up. 1,500 miles square. And its length and breadth and depth. So if you've got 1,500 furlongs up, 1,500 furlongs this way, and 1,500 furlongs this way, or miles, I mean, that's a lot. These furlongs turn into 1,500 miles. If there's 1,500 miles between the floors, you would have to take the 12,000, the 12 divided by that to find out how much space is between each floor. I didn't do that because I didn't, want to. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I know God made it perfect. Here's the deal. It's not like someone's just over your head and you can hear them running up and down on the hallways. It's way up there to the next floor and way up there to the 12th floor. I'm glad we're going to have a perfect body and a perfect mind. We will not have fear of heights. Because the top floor, I guarantee you, is better than the tallest building you can find in the world. Now, not only that, but the measure of its thickness is 144 cubits. That's over 200 feet thick. What do you think is going to shake that? Especially in heaven. The wall, verse number 18, the building of the wall of it was of jasper, And the city was pure gold like unto clear glass. Now, people read this and they they start saying, whoa, heaven, that's so heaven. This is not heaven, folks. This is the holy city that came out of heaven. This is uh, as good as this is. Can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? Because God doesn't make anything wrong. And it says in verse number 21, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the gold was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. We see this foundations of the walls, but then we see the gates to get in and out, and then we see it has these gates with names on it, the names of the Old Testament 12 and the New Testament 12. That tells me it represents the whole 
shooting match from Genesis to Revelation and those who are in the church age. But I want you to notice that because it had 12 gates, uh, it actually denotes safety. You can go in and out and find pasture. You remember that verse in the Old Testament? You see, it's safe because God's there. We don't have to lock doors. We can go in and out. We can go out to any gates, and we can come in. We can be up in heaven. We can be in the holy city. We can be on the earth. Hey, we're safe. Right now, could I say something? Do you feel safe? We have a burglar alarm. It's more to let us know someone's in the house so we can panic. It does call, you know, the alarm company. Then the alarm company calls me to see if it's a real deal. By that time, I'm dead. They've already shot me. It's quicker to pick up the phone and call 911 than wait for the alarm to go off. It just lets me know that something's in there. Now, I will say this. It's good for a heart attack. My wife one time did leave the house to go to work many years ago when she was working, and... Uh, she forgot to hit the bypass button, which turns off the motion detector. And so I got up and walked down the hallway, set off the motion detector, and the buzzer just happens to be in the hallway, and it went off. Part of me went that way, part of me went that way, and part of me went that way, and the rest of me went that way. And then I believe I texted her. No, I called you. I did call you. I thought I did. As I recall, I, was, I had a little bit of a different voice than normal. Yeah. I said, do you know what happened to me this morning? The alarm went off. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you feel safe? I did a story where a man was shot, and uh, it turned out to be road rage. Someone just mad. Do you feel safe? You are. In the arms of Jesus, you're safe. And nothing can happen to you that doesn't go through his hands. And if you're right with God and you're not living in sin and telling God, I am not going to get right with you, if you're right with him, nothing can happen to you without going through his hands. And if he wants it to happen, then he's got a purpose for it, and you need to let him have his purpose. Amen. See, this is the, where we're at. We're, we are safe, but we got evil around us. But we're safe with him, but we have evil around us. So it, it gives a sense of, of not safe. We're not safe because there are. we know we can watch the news, which is not a good thing to do. And 24-hour junkies on the news are going to have a nervous breakdown. I would not recommend it. The dumbest thing we ever did was went to 24-hour news where we can tell the same story 63,000 times in 128,000 different ways. Crazy. You'll go nuts. I can sum up tomorrow's news for you. People are going to get hurt, die, and do stupid things. It's going to happen. I got a newsflash for you. I'm going to get up tomorrow morning and go to work, and I'm going to do something stupid somewhere. Sometimes the dumbest thing I do is get up. But 
in the will of God, despite the evil, I'm still safe until it's my time to go. No one can take me out of this earth. But heaven is safe and secure for all the reasons that I just said and one more. There is no evil. There's no evil people. You do not have to sit there and think, what is my neighbor plotting now? Because we'll all be of the same kin with the same father. Well, we see the gates are not shut at all because, verse number 25, there's no night there. I, I have another S word. It's called the sunlight. The sunlight, S-O-N, not S-U-N, the sunlight. By the way, I meant to say this. When I was talking about its size, 1,500 miles in three directions up, out, uh, they said that that would be from going from Maine, the top of Maine to Florida, the bottom of Florida. Think about that. That would be like going from the Atlantic Ocean to 600 miles west of the Mississippi. That's the length and the breadth of it. Now, going up, I got no way to measure it except an airplane doesn't get there. Okay? We see the sun rise, S-O-N, the sunshine. We also see the sanctuary. Look with me at verse number 22. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Right now, we're the temple of the living God. Up there, we will sit before the temple, which is God himself and the Lord Jesus Christ. They are the temple. And so, by the way, if you want to come to church and really enjoy this church as a temple, come not to look at the building. Come not to look at what we have or don't have. Come to see Jesus. You'll get it in the temple. Amen. Come to, see, come to hear from Jesus. Come to see Jesus. Come to get his word. You will see the glory of God. You will leave different than you came in. But if you come in with all kinds of worldly things and thinking, you'll leave here just as disappointed as you did when you got in. You ever wonder how some people can leave and say, man, we had a wonderful time in our church today. And I would say, oh, God didn't do nothing for me. You ever wondered how that could be? Because they couldn't let go and just fix their eyes on Jesus for just a short space of time. Short space of time. By the way, you say, oh, short space of time. Do you know how long our preacher preaches? Take the longest sermon, the longest service we've ever had here, and divide it into 24 hours a day and realize you only do that once a week. So take 24 times 7 and then do a ratio, and it's less than 1% that you spent in church, less than 1%. So we see the sanctuary. We see the sunlight. And then in verse number 27, we see the sanctification. And there shall in no wise enter into it, that city, anything that defileth. Oh, isn't that awesome? Neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. But they which are written in the Lamb's book of life, that's all that gets in. No bad stuff. You know what? There's nothing worse than when you have had a power failure and it lasts a long time and you got some meat in there that turns rancid. It got defiled. 
and the stench, and you're like, Ugh, and you don't even want to eat. Even if you had good, you just don't want to eat. Nothing will decay or defile or mess up heaven. Nothing will get in that will destroy it or demise it or make it anything less than what it is. And then it's superiority. Look with me, please, in verse number 24. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations unto it. The city is so superior to other cities that everybody will look at it with glorified thinking, glory in their hearts. That is this city. Now, there's one more S that goes into chapter 22. We're going to pick it up tonight. And that is its, uh, I'm sorry, two more S's. But it's not, the second S is not in this chapter at all. The first S is its surroundings. We're going to deal with the surroundings tonight. But you know what else there is? There's one more S word I have, there, and, and it's called this. You ready for what it is? Surprise. There is a surprise about this city, and I'm going to reveal it tonight. So I hope you'll come back. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. We've described what is not heaven, but the holy city, the first part, we saw that God wants to tabernacle with us. Right now, he'd like to fellowship with you, too. If you know him as Savior, he can. If you will get your heart right with him and stay clean before him, he'll fellowship with you all the time. But if you're lost, he can fellowship with you starting today because you can come and trust Christ as Savior. I wonder if there's anyone here to say, Preacher, I'm not saved, but I'd like to be.